This morning, I want to spend some time in the book of Acts and understanding how contentment is central, in my opinion, to the power of prayer. And so in Acts chapter 16, we see a few things happen. Paul encourages a number of people, prays for various mission trips and gets ready to, to set off for his own. And then by the end of the chapter, uh, and then halfway through the chapter, he's arrested, he ends up in jail, and then he ends up free of that. So it kind of escalates pretty quickly what happens. And that's the story this morning that I want to look at. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for the ability to meet together as a family, to meet together as your people and come in here. And I pray this morning that you would speak your words through my lips and that your truth would be heard. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, for me, prayer is one of the facets of the Christian life that I think most people underestimate the power of it or they misunderstand how it works. You know, sometimes we treat God like a genie or we just say, oh, I'll pray for you because it's the, the Christian thing to do and we don't follow up on it. Or sometimes we're not satisfied with the result and so we go, God, well, no, I didn't want that. I want, I want this. And we keep going and we sometimes get it wrong. But throughout the New Testament, Paul has a lot of things to say about prayer. But not only does he say these things, he lives from that example. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 25 to 34. And so it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So you're in jail. You've got open cuts, your feet are in stocks. How do you feel? If I think about it, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not feeling content in my situation, the combination of angry, upset, scared, even other feelings. And I dare say that it was the intention of Paul and Silas's captors and persecutors to see them be disheartened and discouraged. And Satan likes to do that to us as well. You know, he likes to snare us with half-truths or play on our insecurities I think we've all struggled through some discouragement at some point. 
I know I have. And it isn't fun. Ultimately, there's always a cause. And then the effect leaves us feeling discouraged or frustrated or upset. We can't shake the situation that we're in. And in the case of Paul and Silas, they had every cause in the world to feel this way. But their response after being beaten, put in prison, and having their feet shackled was to pray and sing hymns to God. See, they were content in their relationship with the Father that no human rejection or dangerous situation could cause them to panic or to leave that relationship with God. I think at times the things I've been battling, and I think it was because I wasn't secure in my identity in God, and I wouldn't hear sense from the Holy Spirit, and at times from my wife. Guys will know what I'm talking about there. Your wife is always, always right most of the time. (laughs) Most of the time. Uh, And you see, midnight in this story, midnight wasn't a typical prayer hour, and nor was a dungeon a typical prayer house. We can often get stuck in this mindset of prayer being a, a set formula that we've got to come to a certain place at a certain time and that's when we can pray and see things happen. But we see in this story that, that God is here whenever, wherever we are. There is no set formula to coming and praying. You know, these guys were beaten yet content in whose they were. Pain can sometimes be a huge wedge between us speaking what's on our heart or from us hiding away and not speaking. So yesterday, Em and I and my mum and dad were down and we watched the movie The Help. Now, some of you may have seen it, some of you may not. And I actually think that there's a great parallel in, in that movie to what I'm talking about today. So for those of you who haven't seen it, it's set in the early 1960s in... Uh, in Mississippi, in the US, and it focuses on a bunch of African-American women who are the help for the society there. And it talks about their, their struggles. It's an amazing movie. And as the movie progresses, you start to see things from their perspective. And they're fearful of, of opening up because they're worried about how those they serve are going to treat them. And they're treated as less than human as it was. So as the story unfolds, where they were once afraid of speaking truth and of the consequences, some of these ladies bravely decide to make a stand for themselves and speak truth and dignity into their situation. And so they embrace, they become content in that situation and go, okay, but I'm going to speak truth and I'm going to live from a place of truth and integrity in this situation. And I think that's sometimes where we struggle, when things are are crushing us together and we feel bound by whatever, we sometimes lose the ability to speak that truth into situations. You know, we can get stuck in what the situation is, whether it's family issues and things just aren't working at home. We struggle with, with work or we struggle with finding work. You know, there's so much... Things. There's so many things. You know, financially, things are strained. The words of others leave a huge weight on our shoulders. Or there's physical injuries or illness that, that brings us down. We let these things define who we are 
rather than what God and what Jesus has done for us defining who we are. You know, we give these negative things ground to stand on through our words and through our attitude. We deem them as an impossible hurdle to jump. But something we need to remember, church, is that we never lack things to praise God for. Even if on that day it is merely breath in our lungs and a roof over our head, that is worthy of praise. Food in the fridge and clothes on our back, that is worthy of praise. A church family to come to for support and encouragement, that is worthy of praise. And the thing is, church, Jesus understands our struggles. He isn't foreign to our suffering. What he did, though, sets us free from the chains if we rest in him. And now this isn't to condemn anyone struggling. It's natural to want to get out of these circumstances. And when I talk about contentment, it's about being okay with Jesus being enough. So if there was no promise of breakthrough, would what Jesus did for you still be enough? You know, I think of Paul and Silas here, so much so that even when they were in the middle of the prison, they were heard by every other prisoner in the building. I can just imagine what the presence of God would have been like. You've got these two guys, feet in stocks, bleeding, and they're just singing their hearts out. They're just singing. And it says in the story that all the prisoners heard them. And even if they wanted to ignore, I don't think they could have. And what happens when we have an attitude of recognising human weakness and acknowledging the sovereignty of God? Things change. change. Chains are broken. People are set free. Eyes are opened. Bodies are healed. Situations are transformed. Dreams are redeemed. Minds are renewed. And souls are saved. You know, church, this is, this is a huge thing. When we live in that place of contentment and just saying, Jesus, you are enough, things start to shift. And there is power in contentment, in being able to surrender to his will. Some people would say that contentment is a weak thing because you're just, you're just going to cop it on the chin and, and go with it. But no, contentment is a place of power. And I honestly believe it is one of the most powerful positions that a Christian can live from. Because when we are totally surrendered and submitted to what God has for us, our prayers and praises become his will. And there is power when we pray. There is always power when we pray. It's just a matter of our attitude. It's just saying, okay, God, I trust you. I want you to lead me. I will go wherever you ask. I will do whatever you ask. Break our heart for what breaks yours. And we all know the verse, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And now it's one of those verses that we, we use as an encouragement, and it should be an encouragement. But the context of that in what Paul is talking about is being content in Jesus and just living in Jesus and operating from that point. And so 
when Paul talks about he can do all of this stuff, it's because he is content in what Jesus has done in and through him and for him. And the thing is, you know, God turns up when we need him most and when we are earnestly aligning ourselves with his will. In this case, the story we've read, we legitimately saw chains and bars being broken and freedom given. Like any great sign of God moving, the end result was joy. We see the jailer terrified of what would happen to him by the leaders in society because the prisoners are all of a sudden free and can roam and do whatever they want. Rather than the shame of enduring that, he was going to kill himself. But then Paul reaches out to him and says, no, don't do that. So he falls before Paul and Silas and you see the guy who's, who's locked them in the stocks falling on his knees before them going, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they're like, believe in Jesus. And to the point where Paul and Silas go to this guy's house and have dinner with his whole family and then they take them and baptise them. So they are so content that they're just going to love on anybody regardless of what's gone on in that situation. And we see the joy. That little section finishes with how much joy was in that household because of it. And I think that if Paul and Silas weren't in that place of contentment, we wouldn't have seen this story transpire the way that it did. You know, there was restored right standing with God because of where these men were at. You might be thinking, but Jimmy, my circumstance is tough. And I don't doubt that. But I also know that Jesus wants to work in and through that situation. So if you're doubting or or thinking you're not worth it or that something's not going to change because you've been praying for it for ages, just rest in Jesus. And I want to encourage you to remember that when Abraham counted the stars, he was counting you. You know, the last thing we want to do when we are struggling is see the positives. But it is an important thing. When God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He was encouraging Paul and us to find the positive, that we have eternity to spend with our Father who is as close to us as the air that we breathe. And this is worth celebrating. You know, Jesus is enough, church. What he did on the cross gives us new life. And he is the cup that never will run dry. And I'm not saying that you just have to cop it on the chin and accept the circumstances as all life has. Not at all. You know, Jesus said he came to give us life and life to the full, that we would do greater things than him. And this is true. It's just a matter of our attitude. And if we are content in him, even if he doesn't answer prayer the way we want him to or the way we expect him to or that he would release us from a situation or a circumstance. So for us, let's step away from fear, insecurity and step into that contentment. Step into the potential that we have as we let Jesus in. We can change the world through grace and through God's love and being content in that. So let's take the gift of salvation and share that message. Let us be led by the Holy Spirit for good, to heal the sick, raise the dead, 
change circumstances, and break chains. We have the power to move mountains if we are in him. You know, the devil may have a big hammer, but he's run out of nails because Jesus took those and used them for good. Amen? Can I get the band to come up, please? See, our pain and breaking through that may seem impossible, but as we learn and see in this story in Acts, when we have Jesus on our side and when we are content in him and resting in him, these situations become possible. There's a quote from Smith Wigglesworth, who's one of the the great teachers and revivalists, and I just love his name for starters. But this quote, I'm I'm really convicted by it around this topic, and it says, the reason the world is not seeing Jesus is that Christian people are not filled with Jesus. They are satisfied with attending meetings weekly, reading the Bible occasionally, and praying sometimes. It's an awful thing for me to see people who profess to be Christians, lifeless, powerless, and in a place where their lives are so parallel to unbelievers' lives that it is difficult to tell which place they are in, in the flesh or in the spirit. It's a lot to take in. But I think, I hope what he's trying to get at there is that if we are content in who we are in Jesus those things will manifest themselves naturally, that we will speak life into situations where we may have just accepted death. We can speak joy and hope into situations where we may have previously been fearful to do so. We will see miracles happen through our life just by living it, being in partnership with him. And so I pray that we would be known as people who love God by our words and actions that our will would become his will, that when we pray, our attitude would reflect God's, that our life would imitate Jesus, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to move in and through us. See, these are the things that show who and what we love. And after all, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied and content in him. So let's move now from death to life, from struggle to faith. Let's move closer to him. And make yourself this promise from Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so no matter what is thrown at us, we will serve him. God's work done in God's way will never lack supply. And it shows that when we are content in him, the supply won't run dry and the power to change people's lives is with us. So let's be like David, who was a man after God's own heart. Let's be like Joseph, who was unwavering in his love and trust for God. And let's be like Jesus, who followed through on God's will, even when he questioned God because he knew that the Father was in control and that God is always good. Let's follow their lead of being content in him, that all that matters is him being glorified. And every revival in history has been birthed in prayer. Every broken chain or changed situation or life saved has been birthed in prayer. Every miracle has been birthed in prayer. So let us unleash the power of prayer through being content 
having total surrender to the king. In his way, we are in our perfect trajectory. In him, we find a never-failing contentment. So what I want to do this morning is we're going to open up the altar for anybody who is struggling with a voice in their head or you're feeling discouraged or there's a situation you're stuck in and you just can't get freedom from it. This place is open for you to come and just ask God to come in and move and just be like, help me to be content. Help me to rest in that situation. And if you're stuck in a situation and you want prayer for for healing or to be brought out of that, we can pray for you for that as well. Before I do that, though, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus but wants this love and, and grace and this contentment that we talk about, if that's you, why don't you raise your hand and, and, and say, Jesus, this is the day that I say I want that contentment. Okay, so what we're going to do is the band are going to just play and, and minister to us through, through worship. And if you'd like prayer for any of the things I've talked about, then come forward. We'll dim the lights. We've got Robin here who's going to pray. I will pray for you and with you as well. So if you need prayer for, to find that contentment or to be free of that situation, then please come forward. We're just going to sit in this place and let God do some great stuff.